Hello and welcome to Pound the Rock, an NBA podcast by the score. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined in studio by my fellow co-host, Jessica Sharl. What's going on? Joe Wolfon. What up? We're going to go around the association, cover off some of the uh, positive topics before going on to some of the negative ones. Uh, Victor Oladipo especially has got us really, really, really bummed out. Um, the fact that uh, he's now out for the season. But uh, let's start in Golden State where I'm sure, I don't even know if this is counts as positive or negative, but DeMarcus Cousins is now back on the Warriors. He's not playing extended time, as you would imagine, because his fitness isn't fully there and he's fouling a ton. But let me just read you real quick. DeMarcus Cousins is per 36 numbers, all right? 23 points a game, 12 rebounds, 6.5 assists, and he's shooting 57% from three. He's shooting better from three than he is from two right now. And he's also getting to the free throw line. The Warriors have won all these games with DeMarcus in the lineup. Cash, what are we even doing? Uh, well, I'll start off by saying, well, I love Boogie. I think if he played 36 minutes, his Achilles would re-rupture. So I don't think the okay. uh, per 36. But, uh, yeah, look, I think for the most part, it's been what I and I think all of us assumed, which is that Boogie's presence negates any weakness this team had. Like yeah. The one way you could maybe beat them or game plan for them was um, you know, attacking them when they were small and going big against them and hoping that your big man – is you know skilled enough to get buckets inside, dominate them on the glass. Uh, now they've got Demarcus Cousins, and he's probably better <laughs> than your big man at doing both those things. Like so, yeah, it, it's what I thought. He's they have no weakness, and it's going to be really scary come April, May, and June. It's already scary. Like they might just now cruise to the best record in the league. Seriously, they're only yeah. I think a game and a half back of the Raptors and Bucks now, something like that. Um, and they're motivated again. Yeah. It, That's the other thing with DeMarcus. I think they actually have an actual vested reason to play regular season. They're also, yeah, they're up to like nine wins in a row, I think. Like, they could just very easily, like, rip off 20 in a row here. Yeah, and I think, you know, to your question about whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, I think it has to be a good thing, you know, just to see Boogie back and, you know, not playing like a shell of his former self. Yeah, I for think, sure. You know, and you're talking about him not being in perfect physical condition and also fouling a ton. I don't know if those are necessarily, like, new things. Those have always kind of been issues for him. And, you know, if you want to talk about it just from, like, a a broader, big-picture Warriors perspective, he just gives them one more dimension that they didn't have. Like, you know, they already had, like, so many weapons and so many different ways of beating you, and now they have something that they haven't really had in this era um, which is like a legitimate low post threat, like somebody they can dump the ball into and who's actually going to be using post-ups as like a means to score and rather than to just pass. Which, um, by the way, he's also a great passer out of the is. post. Right, and, and out, of the high, like, out of the high post as well, right? Like yep. they, they'll run those actions where he is basically like getting the ball at the elbow uh, or at the nail and kind of scanning the floor from there. And it's like teams that uh, get switch happy against the Warriors, which, you know, we've seen in the past has kind of been a strategy to beat them or at least to challenge them um like i remember like i picking this out during that clippers game which is the first game that boogie played like the clippers were switching a bunch of these off-ball screening actions and then patrick beverly ended up guarding boogie at the elbow you know you're like whatever that is like 18 feet from the basket and three clippers players like all just have their eyes fastened on boogie like ready to help because they know that that's just an untenable mismatch and Within, like, a split second, Boogie had just, like, fired a pass to the corner and Iguodala had a wide-open three. Like, he, he gives them just so much more <laughs> multidimensionality than they already had. And uh, 
it, it's pretty unfair, honestly. Like the the only you know the only drawback there, I think, is he's not moving especially well, and maybe can be exploited a little bit defensively. But I just don't even think that it's really going to matter. And yeah, because they're going to score so many points, it doesn't actually matter if he gives you a slight fifteen percent drop off on defense. Because like, right. let's be real, it's not like they had like prime Kevin Garnett in the backcourt there. It was it was like it was Kavon Looney and Jordan Bell like. Boogie's a better defender than those guys. Yeah. I mean, I actually think Looney's been pretty good for them. But, yeah. I, you know, with Boogie, even even if he isn't, like, by the end of the season, moving, you know, as well as he has in the past, and, and, and they have to find ways to kind of cover up for his defensive weaknesses, like, they can find ways. Like, they have so many other yep. just, like, quick, elite, intelligent defenders who can kind of help and recover. Like, they'll be able to, able to paper over those weaknesses without much issue, I think. And honestly, like they don't need him to really even play more than like twenty to twenty-five minutes a game, right? Like yeah. they don't have to overburden him, and he doesn't even really need to do that much for them. Like just just by virtue of being like the gigantic human he is and a great screen setter, that in itself opens up so much for them. Because I actually think like one of the low-key weaknesses of this team has been that they don't have a lot of great screeners. Yeah, like they have Draymond, who's a great screener, and they don't really have anybody else. But with Boogie, it's like if he's setting an off-ball screen for, like, Clay or Steph. Yeah. Like, you can't send extra help with those guys coming around the screen because Boogie can just, like, pop out for a three. That's another thing they haven't really had. Like, they haven't yeah. had stretch big before. <laughs> yeah. This is, like, um, peak war. Like, the first year the Warriors kind of broke out under yeah. Steve Kerr when Bogut was still there. And if you remember, like, one of the big things was that even though Bogut wasn't necessarily, like, closing games... It was like everyone was talking about how with Mark Jackson, like he didn't really let Bogut do things. And Steve Kerr was like, yo, Bogut's a good passer. He can do all these things. Like, let's put the ball in his hands a little bit. But still, there was obviously like limitations with what Andrew Bogut could do. This is like if you go back to like the peak of like the beginning of the Warriors and you just like take Bogut, but then take all the things Bogut couldn't do well and like maximize them, put them in Cousins' body. Like, it's, it's insane that they've found a way to like. Not just um, cover up their weaknesses, but like destroy them, obliterate them, turn They're, them into strength. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's ridiculous. Also, I don't know. Did you guys see the because uh, they were playing the Wizards last night? The, the Scott Brooks quote before the game. What, uh, what did he no. say? He said uh, he's been fortunate enough to coach two Western Conference All Stars, All Star teams in his career, and now he's getting to coach against one. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty no, accurate. No, but for real, like, let's say Boogie gets to full health, right? Would you take the like the Warriors starting five of Steph, Clay, Katie, Draymond, and Boogie versus like the East All Stars right now? Like the starters were announced yesterday. It's Kyrie, it's Kemba, it's uh, Kawhi, Giannis, and Embiid. It's not like I, I would give the slight edge to the East, but it's actually not that far apart. And this is the thing, right? We get to appreciate, like, first off, this is like half like Team USA from like a couple years ago, right? Like, Steph didn't go because there was Zika, and like the, he didn't want to just sit on the boat the whole time. Well, yeah, there was there was Zika, and I think they were they were trying to have kids, right? So, oh yeah, yeah remember right. there was a whole thing like pregnant women, like people that were planning to have kids in the near future couldn't. Oh, that's why Gordon Hayward was like, yeah, I'm I'm good. Well, Gordon, you're never gonna get to go again. But um, <laughs> yo. <laughs> What? He's not gonna go again. Are you telling me Gordon Hayward's gonna go to the all- go to the represent Team USA at age thirty five? I don't know, man. I, maybe not. Just... Yeah. Um, but no. But seriously, this is like seeing if Team USA played hard together every night against NBA competition, right? Because it's like one thing to be like, all right, we're gonna play 
uh, Australia today or like Serbia. You know what I mean? Like they're they're very very different matchups. But like this is really just like a Team USA lineup playing together. Yeah, and when the Cavs, Bulls, Knicks come out, it's still like they're playing Serbia. Or, oh come on, or Serbia would, or one of those like come on, Serbia nice. would destroy the. Actually, Cavs. Serbia solid. Yeah, Serbia would destroy the. Knicks Cavs. and Bulls are more like uh, Angola and like. <laughs> yeah, uh, not to disparage my own country, but yeah, that's they're about on par with China at this point. You know, man. But honestly, like, I think what you kind of have to hope for is that they do remain sort of locked in and motivated for the rest of the season. Because if they are going to have this just, like, ridiculous assembly of talent on hand, like, you hope that they're at least maximizing it in a way that allows us to see something that we haven't really seen before. And that is what I feel like has been missing from the last couple of seasons for the Warriors. And that's why it's, like, started to feel like a drag almost. Right. Because... Like, in the back of our minds, we all know that, like, this team is just on, on a different level and that nobody can really match up with them in a playoff series. But then we watch them sort of, like, drag their asses through the regular season and, like, not really care from night to night. And it makes it so much less fun. Like, if you're going to be this dominant force of a team, then at least let us see something cool. You know, let us see what yeah. it looks like when you guys all care and just try to embarrass teams. Because, like, I think... There's something, there's something special about that, you know? Like, I, I, my fondest memories of this Warriors era are the 2015-16 season. For sure. And, and even though it ended the way that it did for them, like, that's the season that I will still look back on most fondly when I think about this team because they brought it every single night, and it was amazing to watch. Uh, so if, like Cash said, they just go bonkers down the stretch, then I feel like that will make it worthwhile, and, uh, you know, I'll be happy to tune in every night to watch it. This sounds like a silly question, but can any team in the West challenge them? No. No. Can any team, like, let's like, say, I guess let's it say also, like, what are we saying by challenge? Like, actually beat them or no, just, no, no, like, no, give them a series the way Houston did last Take year? Take two like. games off them in a series. Two games? Yeah. Mm. Could. Could is different than will, but, like, I think could, yeah. I, I, like, there are a couple who, who teams. Who could take two games off them? Maybe the Thunder. I think they match up well. Like, probably. But they, the th- they used to, right? They they used to match up really well because they because had of the Adams size yeah, advantage, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but even so, I don't think Boogie is going to, like, get back to the level where he's, like, playing Steven Adams to a standstill, necessarily. I think the, the fact well, that. Well, he's still got Draymond, and he's got a couple of technicals in him to, you know, free shots. <laughs> yeah, but, no, but I mean, seriously, that was their defensive Steven Adams' game plan balls before. are indestructible. I think we've established so. Well, we'll see. Um, look, I, I think if there is a team that can take two games off them, that to me feels like the team. Um, mm. I, I wouldn't necessarily expect them to, but is it like is there another team you think that matches up well enough to? Well, not the the Rockets, not anymore. Like Portland, uh, not a chance. No, uh, you, Utah, you, maybe to. Yeah. No, you know what? But the as fa- good as Rudy Gobert is, the one type of center he really struggles with is like the bulky the, kind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably not. There's probably not a team. That's, also, yeah. the thing with Gobert is the Warriors just find a way to like render him ineffective. Yeah, they just you know what shoot. I mean? They they he just drag him out to the perimeter, and it's like yeah, yeah. He, he he's not the same guy when he plays against the Warriors because they like they don't really thrive by going to the rim. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. super effective against teams that need to get to the rim. Yeah. So against a jump shooting team like the Warriors that doesn't really like make its hay by getting inside, uh, he th- that almost renders him just like less effective. You know what I'm saying? I'll give you a team. Yeah. Not even in the playoff mix right now, and oh, I yeah. wish I was wearing a chain with an L on it so I can say Lakers. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was gonna say Lakers. It's gonna take some LA nightlife and like LeBron, go, go LeBron, go yeah, playoff. It's gonna take LeBron to, James to. But see, like, if man. the Lakers were to swing a trade, then I think they could get into that conversation as being like, you could take the Warriors to six. All right, we're not doing I, another, we're not doing another episode where if the Lakers swing a trade. This I, is, I like that. This is the way we talk about the Warriors. It's like if this team does this, this, and yeah, this, yeah. they can take them to six. Well, yeah, I mean that's yeah. the world we live in right now. I mean it's. It's actually like looking back. It's still wild to me that that the Rockets pushed them the way that they did, yeah. and it and it's and crazy that it took them missing twenty seven threes in a row and Chris Paul and being Chris out. Paul getting injured. Like, I, I don't know. It's a, I don't want to sort of relitigate this and say what would have happened if Chris Paul had played. Like, often it seems like the Warriors can just find whatever gear they need to find in order to get across the finish line, but they were close to losing that series, and yeah. it's just. That, or what? Or, or what if George Hill? Team, man. What if George Hill actually made both free throws? Or then the Cavs lose in five. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas with the Rockets, it's like they actually. I don't know, man. LeBron also quote unquote broke his hand. So, and out yeah, of frustration after, the, after game thing. one, the Cavs lose that series in five. I think. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Maybe like, six. Maybe six. Maybe they take one in Cleveland if they've already man, got one, and last, like they feel like they're playing for something. To me, that game that was like the Iverson against the Lakers yeah. game. Right, yeah, and, that's true. And it would have been sort of. I, I think I mean, it would have played out the same way. There, so. Honestly, like, that Cavs team was so bad. Yeah, but the man, the yeah, Rockets were. had them. Yeah, they did. Like the Rockets, legit had them. They yeah. were up three two. They had two shots to do it. One of them would be at home in Game Seven if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt. Like, oh man, how did we get here? Yeah. No, the, the Warriors are What's the Warriors next? are great, man. No, honestly, I was watching the game like just in preparation for the show, like the game they played against the Wizards. Who we're going to talk about Wizards in a sec. Um, and they started the second quarter. Like, second quarter is when you dump all your waste players out there. You just get everyone some minutes. You empty your bench. You know, you, you, it's the second quarter. The start of the second quarter. Like, whatever. The Warriors had... And this was not because they wanted to have these players out there. This is just their rotation. They had Boogie out there. They had Clay. They had Draymond. They had Sean Livingston and uh, Andre Godala. Like, that was their start of the second quarter lineup. It, it just... It's it just boggles the mind. Anyway, let's talk about those Wizards who actually gave the Warriors a decent fight before the Warriors were like, "Nah, we're gonna win the game." But um, the Wizards have been decent of late. Um, I, I I must admit, with since John Wall has gone down, I have actually really enjoyed watching this Wizards team. They're seven and four. They've had some tough losses along the way. I mean, they played the Warriors tough. The Warriors beat them. They went to double overtime against the Raptors. They lost to a Serge Ibaka three-pointer in double overtime, which is, you know, whatever. That's a 50-50 game. So they could easily be, like, okay, they wouldn't have beat the Warriors. But, like, it could be eight and three. Um, I don't think Ibaka's made a three-pointer since then, by the way. Yeah, he doesn't he's shoot threes anymore. last 12 in a row. Yeah, he just became Dirk, uh, Dirk Nowitzki from the mid-range. But um, the Wizards... They're kind of fun right now, and um, I it's again I, I don't want to pin it on John Wall, but I think this is a very telling stat. With John Wall in the lineup, they were averaging 279 passes per game. That was 26 of the NBA. Without Wall, this has been like 12 game now, 12 games now. So like this is a decent enough sample size. 324 passes per game. They're fourth. They're right behind the Warriors. They're fun. In, yeah, they are fun. They're running like they look like they enjoy each other's company. <laughs> yeah. Um, something that Gortat uh, hinted at last year when John Wall went down. Um, they have since John Wall went down, and I know this is also partly probably like Trevor Ariza. Um, yeah. 
back in the fold because he is still like an underrated great defender. But they have a top five defense since John Wall. I know it's only a twelve game sample, but still they're seven and five in those games. Like Will mentioned, a couple of the, like the Raptors game swings the other way. Like they could easily be eight and four, nine and three in that stretch with yep. a top five defense with the ball humming, the running. Like it is fun. Bradley Beal's yep. playing out of his mind. Like Bradley yeah, Beal, looking great. Um, he should have started. I mean, like it's in Charlotte, so Kemba gets yeah, it. But like, but no, I, I, I think like Beal Bradley Beal. Um, you know, I, I usually think of as like, yeah, an all star for sure, and a guy that you know, if a team's built the right way, is the second or third best player on like a championship level team. The way he's playing right now, like he looks like a legit franchise player right now. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I never thought I'd say the Wizards are fun, at least in like this. You guys know how I feel about the Wizards. Yeah. Um, Give Grunfeld an extension for life. Oh, man. For the Ariza trade, I guess. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> honestly, maybe don't say that because Ted Leonsis would do it. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, even, listen, I said even it some before. of the guys on the margins, though. John Wall. Fraud. Wow. Fraud. Wow. I mean, this is really bolstering your case, I got to say. Yeah, it's um, two years in a row now. And I wonder, I mean, I think the personality fit has something to do with it. But Wall was pretty, like, Wall was pretty bad when he was playing this season and I don't know how much the injury played into it I mean it seemed like he came into the season kind of out of shape as well kind uh, of man those Vegas pictures <laughs> kind of yeah that man was looking like Catino Mobley and if anyone has seen what Catino Mobley oh, looks like today the guy aged like 40 years in 5 years yo but Catino Mo- okay I have seen Catino Mobley recently I watched him at the big 3 in Toronto this summer and he, he's still in great shape. Okay. Like he he has grade in a way that like I couldn't have possibly foreseen. He, so he's basically Uncle Drew. He's like seventy years old in the face, but in body he's yeah. still like you know Pete Catino Mobile. Okay, he, so let me rephrase. He was that. hooping in Big Three. John Wall came into uh, the season in the shape that I would expect someone who looks like Catino Mobley to be in. <laughs> All right, I'm glad we got that sorted. Uh, but yeah, like I think for one thing, for Beal to have the freedom to just like play as an on-ball guy as much as he has um has been really illuminating and and it's kind of like we saw this last year too right it's not a complete surprise because when wall went down last year that's when we got the everybody eats as cash alluded to yeah um and i think you know sadaransky is is like a more natural fit alongside beal because he can handle the ball a little bit but he can also play off ball and he's like a very active long-armed physical defender he's like george hill he like like he shares the ball. He can shoot, um, and I think like if you're talking about you know how you want this team to look in the future, I don't know. He he to me is a part of it. I don't I don't know if Beal can be like the A one guy on a contending team, but um, I mean he's he's starting to look like a foundational building block that you can actually build a, a very solid team around. I just think. They got to figure out how they want to fill out the rest of the roster around him. And I, I said, you know, when we talked about this after the wall injury was announced, that I thought they should just kind of like scale back on Beal's workload and basically try and go into the tank and get a high draft pick. Seems like maybe they're going to push for the playoffs instead. I, I don't it's a know. Low bar. Yeah, but like, where where do they get that guy who is sort of like complimenting Beal to to raise them up another level? Well, one guy right now that's. They still have on the trade market, despite the fact that Bradley Beal has been taken off, like definitively. I don't think he was really ever on the table, 
but now he's definitely off the market. But maybe Otto Porter is that guy where you're not going to get like a great piece back for Otto. But I think, A, he's like playing really well on a bench wall right now. His efficiency numbers have really climbed up after really a slow start to the year. I think, you know, just moving the ball more has really benefited Porter as well. Um, and even the Ariza trade has really allowed Porter to just play with the bench and be a more featured player. And there's a lot of interest for a guy like Porter. It's just his contract's not that great, but he's clearly a very useful player, definitely a starting caliber player. Um, and now we're seeing he's an effective six-man as well. Like, maybe they swap Porter for someone that's a better fit for what the Wizards want. Because, look, it's not even like the Wizards need that much. They have some guys on the roster. Like, even a guy like Thomas Bryant. I love what this guy's doing. Yeah. He's energetic around the basket. He's actually not a bad shooter. Like, he really – like, he. no one guards him because everyone's like, what are you doing? Because no one knows him. But he can actually shoot. Getting under boogie skin a little last night, too. Yeah. I like him. I like Thomas Bryant. Yeah, he, he dunked. He, like, did the raise the roof thing, and then they lost by, like, 30. But, like, I mean, like, whatever, man. I mean, that's 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 Wizards DNA right there. I think, honestly, like, they should just, like, hold on to Porter because yeah, I don't think that they're going to get equivalent value in a trade. And so what do they really gain by moving him? You know okay. what I mean? Like, if, if they're not going to get a good asset in return, which I just don't think they are because of that contract mm-hmm. – it's more beneficial for them to hang on to him. He's more valuable to them than he's going to be to another team, I think. And I, I kind of feel like Ariz is the guy that they should be trying to flip. Like they I, I agree, but I, I mean, how, realistically, how much are you getting back from Ariz? Ariz has actually played really, really good. He has, and I think there are a lot of teams that could really use him. Like, are they going to get a first rounder for him? I don't think so. But he's a guy who, like, he's going to be a free agent. Yeah. Um, so there's no real like long-term fit for him there, especially because ultimately I think they are going to want Porter to be back in the starting lineup. Right. I whatever they can get for him now, I think they should try and get. Uh, honestly, like to me, Beal and Porter are the guys that you keep, and Bryant too. I think like he can be. Yeah, he's no, honestly, he's been really that good. good. And I anybody else should be up for grabs. And what interests me, I guess, is like when Wall gets healthy. Then what do they do? Chaos, baby. Yeah. Like, let wow. me tell you what they do. Wall gets healthy. They go into camp talking big about how <laughs> the momentum they built at the end of this year, plus Wall getting healthy, is like the Wizards are back. Everything's good. They start next season 7-20. and 20. At that point, <laughs> Grunfeld's already on a new extension. <laughs> oh Wall God. is untradeable. And we do it all again, baby. We do it all again. That's that, what happens. That is actually how the, this exact season went. Yeah. Um, but I got but but I think this is like the turning point. You know what I mean? Like if they actually if they continue to play as well as they have and they do make the playoffs, yeah. I don't think that they can realistically go into next season with Wall coming back and talk themselves into it working with him. What again. are their options? I don't know. Like I Who just, is taking that contract? Like I know that it's been proven like in maybe. all sports that there's no such thing as an untradeable contract. This might be an untradeable contract. I man. agree. It's close. And maybe somehow it's a worse contract than when Gilbert Arenas brought guns to the locker room. Yeah. Like <laughs> Okay, here's here's the question. Let's say they're willing to like attach an asset just to get off of that deal. Yeah. So they attach a first round pick. Oh, it's gotta they, be more than a first, man. We're talking about no, they attach a first they attach million. a first round pick and they take back a bad money deal in return, basically just to make John Wall go away. Do you think they would do it? I feel like the Suns could do that. Yeah, it would take a team like that, like Suns Phoenix, or, or like yeah, just a team that's like so desperate for relevance and thinks John Wall will bring it to them. But, yeah, this yeah. Is, like, this let's is, say okay, think yeah. about this. All right, let's say they go to Memphis and they're like, "We will give you John Wall, and we will give you a first round pick, and we will take Chandler Parsons' contract oh off of God. your hands." 
I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if it's that dire. Like, I might be overselling this, but I think just like given his injury history, given how toxic, and I'm not putting it all on him, but just the situation with him involved in it in Washington is so toxic. Like, I think they might need to think about doing something like that mm-hmm. just to get off of that contract, get Wall off of the team, and like kind of start fresh because this is two years in a row where it's kind of been proven that like they yeah. can be better off without him it, it, it is funny though like as fun as this is um like the best thing for the wizard would have been getting a high pick you know and like, oh yeah uh, and oh yeah even with like a beal porter bryant core might be fun and like they'll play hard but come on you know they're not winning anything well, this is why i think ultimately they should explore if you can turn Porter into young players, which is weird because Porter himself is already a young player. However, he's on a massive contract and it really does limit your flexibility. I just don't think realistically they can move off wall right now. And if you, if like, for example, the Kings are really interested in Porter. They have been for a long time. Like the Kings have some young, like solid young pieces that are very cheap that you can go get right now. You can get a Harry Giles for, you know, Otto Porter. You can probably get a Harry Giles plus something else. You know what I mean? And if you are going to rebuild around Beal, the best thing about Beal right now is that he's 25 years old and he's under contract for a while. So if you do want to go young, that that is an option with Beal. But uh, I'm enjoying what the Wizards are doing right now. I, I look forward to them becoming the eighth seed and then not you know doing too much in the playoffs. But you know whatever. That's the East playoffs are going to be kind of a wash this year. It's uh, it's not going to be that fun. But uh, we're going to take a quick break right here. And then on the other side, we're going to talk about some of the more negative trends around the NBA. Hey listeners, a friendly reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to Pound the Rock on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. We also urge you to check out our other shows on the Scores Podcast Network. For baseball fans, there's Expand the Zone, Sweeper Keeper, Covers the World of Soccer, and there's the Fantasy Football Podcast with Justin Boone. Please also download the Score app where you can find all our feature content, live scores, and the most up-to-date breaking news. Thank you, and back to Pound the Rock. Welcome back to the second half of Pound the Rock. Still here with Cash and Wolfon. We're going to move into some of the more um, sadder topics in the NBA right now. Honestly, Oladipo's injury, it just has me bummed, man. It just has me super bummed. I was watching that game live. He was chasing down Pascal Siakam on the fast break. He almost got there, which is incredible because Pascal is very fast. Uh, But he jumped up in the air. He let out this yelp, and then he was just on the floor and... Like, the images of his kneecap sort of just, like, halfway down his shin, it was just not fun to look at. But, um, Wolfon, you wrote a great piece about this on the Score app, which where you can find all our content. But um, just talk to me about sort of just the emotions behind this Oladipo thing. Because, again, like you wrote, the Pacers were not supposed to be here. And the fact that third in the, in the East right now, and they are, what, 32 and 15? Like, it's just such a bummer. Yeah, and I think, for me... What really makes it so devastating is I had started to talk myself into this team like they clearly believed in themselves. And I, it was getting to the point where, I don't know, we we talked about like what their shortcomings might be in the playoffs a bunch. But there was also so much possibility, like whether it was kind of at the trade deadline and the kind of move that they could make to maybe put themselves over the top. Or just going into the playoffs with the group that they have and getting a chance to see whether a team like this could actually upend some of the preconceived notions we have about the types of teams that can have playoff success. Because they do it with their own sort of formula. They do it with defense. They do it with like a collective and not necessarily with like 
a combination of stars. But they had been so good this year, and not just in terms of their record, but like they had the fourth best net rating in the league, the second best defensive rating. And they did that while Oladipo was playing like quite a bit south of what his best is. And I think the promise of him maybe getting back to his best with the supporting cast that he has having elevated themselves to the level that they've been at this season, the way that Bogdanovich has played, the way that Turner has transformed himself, the way that Sabonis has played, the season that Thad Young is having. Like, and I've said this before, like, I, I know there's this idea that a team with only one superstar can only go so far in the playoffs, but a team like the Pacers that beyond that one superstar has that kind of role player depth, I feel like had a chance to maybe actually change that narrative. And... Now I just don't think that we're going to get a chance to find out because without Oladipo, they just don't have the offensive firepower. Like, look up and down this roster. Where is the playmaking coming from? Right. I was looking at it the other day, too. Um, I was like, maybe, you know, you put Tyreek in there. Tyreek can sort of have a little bit of a resurgence. Like, then I looked into numbers. Tyreek's already made 11 starts in the games that Oladipo's missed earlier this season. Um, and he his numbers went down when he went into the starting lineup, and the offensive rating with Oladipo or with uh, with Tyreek in the starting lineup was like eighty five. Like he he has had a miserable season, and him starting is, does not look like the actual option. Like, they don't have any other options. I just think that's that's just what it is. It's like if you took Donovan Mitchell off the Jazz. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty sad situation, and, and they have great depth, and they have a lot of guys that aren't bad, but it's almost like. The, with Oladipo out of the lineup, they're like a worse version of the Clippers, but in the in, in the sense that like they don't necessarily have a star, except Tobias Harris and maybe even Gallo might be better than any of their other like offensive role players. Um, yeah, they just like don't have enough. I I didn't think they had enough even with Oladipo, but I at least thought it would be interesting, like Joe was saying, to find out if they did and to watch the way they went up against one of Toronto, Milwaukee, Philly, Boston, and now it's like well we know what's going to happen. They just have nowhere near the firepower to hang with those with those teams, and yeah, it's just sad like. Oladipo was this guy that was like a late bloomer and turned himself into a star and almost a superstar. Like he was insane last year. He he wasn't quite the same this year, but you look at like some of these, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist by any stretch of the imagination, but you look at some of these theories on Twitter about how like he had this knee bruise early in the year. That's what yeah. he missed time with. Um, some guy like he had bylines like the AP and the Indy star had tweeted on December 4th that he had like a source in the medical community saying that like based on like the type of knee bruise Oladipo had um, if he came back at all this season he was risking permanent damage to his kneecap and leg and that like yeah it's like really interesting and then that same guy was tweeting about how if you go back and look at the way like Oladipo was like landing running and cutting in the game against the Raptors before um, the injury it was like not himself like he was like spreading his legs to it basically there was like a lot of signs that maybe not something this horrific but that like his leg wasn't right and something was coming I mean that's very interesting and and it's sad it's all sad and it's just very like I tweeted it too but it's like reminds you of the fragility of yep. um everything the fragility of a player's prime the fragility right. of his money making uh years the fragility of his career in general and the fragility of like a team's window like it it can all just be gone like that and it's it's crazy. It's, it's not anything we didn't know, but it's still sad when right. you're reminded of it like that. And I think it's particularly tough to stomach just because, like you said, last season Oladipo had, to me, like the greatest year-over-year jump that I have ever seen in terms of a guy yeah, definitely. who was at the stage of his career that Oladipo was at, yeah. going into his fifth season, having shown 
you know, incremental improvement at the most. He looked like Reggie Jackson. Like, okay. I, no, I'm but seriously, no, his year with the Thunder was terrible. Before last year, yeah. Yeah, his year with the Thunder was terrible. It's just, to me, he went from being a guy who looked almost like a disappointment as a number two overall pick to being better than I ever thought that he would be. Yeah, definitely. And so to think that an injury like this that could realistically mean that he's never the same again after this for him to make that leap and then for his sort of time in the spotlight like his shelf life as a superstar to be as brief as it was i'm not saying it's going to happen but the possibility of that is there and that is devastating and that and that affects the pacers as a whole because this is a team like even if it didn't happen for them this year they had all this financial flexibility which they still do have but their future i think looked super bright and they looked like the kind of team that could sustain this level of play for a long time. And now that's sort of all up in the air. And I, I it just sucks for so many different reasons. Um, and, you know, for me, as, as kind of attached as I have grown to this team and to the idea of what they could do and what they could be, uh, it was a tough one to stomach for sure. Yeah, and look, you know, you can sort of spin it as sort of financial flexibility, but realistically, this team is not going to come back the way it is. This is a... You know what I mean? Like Thaddeus Young's a free agent, Tyreek Evans is a free agent, Bojan's a free agent, Darren Collison, Corey Joseph. I mean, like this the whole core of this team, outside of Oladipo, um I mean McDermott for some reason, but Miles Turner and also Sabonis, like everyone else is gonna eventually kind of move on. And so it is kind of a bummer and it really again it speaks to sort of the fleeting moment that teams are, especially now in the modern NBA, like contracts are much shorter. Like teams just aren't together for as long as they should be, or at least they were in the past. And man, I mean, I also just really feel for Pacers fans because like they went through the whole disappointment and sort of the recovery of Paul George and like you know, that's another horrific injury that, you know, took him out for a very, very long time and like like Oladipo was the consolation prize. He made everyone forget about Paul George and sort of get over the whole situation. And then for this to happen again, it's just it's just a huge bummer for the Pacers. But I, the one consolation is I don't think the Pacers are going to slide out of the playoff race or anything like that. I still think as, you know... Like, I don't think they'll slide past the fifth seed. Yeah, because I, mean, yeah. I think like, they have too much of a Even cushion. as great as Brooklyn's playing, I think the Pacers are like a six and a half or seven. Yeah. Lead. Not only that, but Brooklyn, I think, has a pretty tough schedule yeah. down the stretch. And Dinwiddie is now out potentially for four to six weeks if you believe Karan Butler's reporting. So, Yeah, what's up with that? <laughs> Tough juice, baby. Shout out to the time Karan Butler stole the ball from Jonas. That was, that was Jonas <laughs> an very random. That only a Raptors fan would know that. <laughs> yeah. The Clippers game, it was, that was a Rudy Gay's debut in Toronto. Oh, that was. Wow. And the Raptors were blowing out the Clippers. It was, JV was also a rookie that year. Yeah. And uh, he was like dribbling out the clock. Karan Butler goes to pretend like he's going to like shake his hand and like just see the ball. Takes the ball, runs the other way and lays it in. I think was that the last season of Karan Butler's career? No. He was no, definitely no. at that point of his career where did it was he, like did he I just play need one to... more year with the Bucks. Maybe. Yeah. He, he just needed to get like all the points that he could, man. Man, that was I like Karan Butler. He I like his prime with the Wizards was awesome. Yeah. Like just a fantastic oh, two way. Oh player. my god. He played so many more years. He played with the Bucks. He played with OKC, Detroit, and then Sacramento. Y'all remember Karam Butler in Sacramento for seventeen games? Oh, that was wasn't that the what year was that? Twenty fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, that was the year that the Kings they traded uh they traded like Stauskis a pick. They traded like a bunch of things to clear cap space. For their summer haul, which was like signing Rondo, Bellinelli, Karan Butler, 
Yeah, it was initially because they wanted to sign uh, Wesley Matthews. Yeah, and um, they ended up spending it on those guys. Yeah, that's. I mean, that is the that trade is the reason they don't have a pick this year. Yeah, well, I mean, they knew they didn't know that they had such a thing as amnesty was available. Like they didn't know that you could just just stretch a contract. Like mimic run a eBay, baby. Stauskas. All right. Well, um, the other team that we want to talk about that's you know going through really really rough times is the Memphis Grizzlies, who after a pretty um, good and encouraging start, I think they're like three and twenty or something in the last like two months or something. It is bad for the Grizzlies right now, and they're finally to come to the conclusion that you know what, grit and grind. The last two pieces, Marcus All, Mike Conley, they're up for um, trade. I would say probably two seasons too late. But it's always easier to say this in retrospect than it is at the time. It's not easy to just give up on franchise cornerstones who have literally played on no other franchises. But let's uh, let's build some hypothetical trades here. And um, Cash, we're gonna get you to be Chris Wallace. I apologize. Okay, I'm saying that doesn't not, sound not a right. great reputation. Yeah. He's really Ernie Grunfeld West. Wow. No, but really think about it. He is Ernie Grunfeld West. I the, the gr- I don't think it's that bad. But if you look at just their drafting history. That's where that's what I think has really sunk yeah. this franchise. Like, as far as kind of the moves that they've made around the margins, like the you know the Gasol uh, contract negotiation, like that, I thought that was a fine deal at the time. Conley, I mean, maybe you could say it was an overpay, but I think it was justifiable. The Parsons contract has obviously been a complete disaster, but I think there there have been a lot of moves where it's like you could at least see the justification behind them. But ultimately, I think what torpedoed this team and the run that they had was the fact that they never ever drafted well yeah yeah. and they so so like you know once these guys started to sort of cycle out and once Gasol took a bit of a step back and you know the fact that Conley has like had some injuries now like they never had the players that they could plug in that were ready to step up and like take the mantle and, and keep this run going and I think that ultimately is what doomed them weird like coaching decisions too over like yeah. the last few years like they the, go the from Hollins to Dave Yeager and it seems like Dave Yeager is like kind of doing a good job and then he's gone they bring in Fisdale and everyone seems to love Fisdale but he kind of clashes with Gasol reportedly and then he's gone and they bring in like Bickerstaff last year yeah um because they got off to that terrible start he was just like the interim guy and Bickerstaff didn't do anything at all special and they lost by like fifty. They bring him back as like the full time head coach this year when they actually had plans to compete again. Like it just like yeah. it doesn't make much sense. Man. Freak, maybe you're right about the yeah. But like Feld West, I, I mean Del Demps. I think Del Demps has that locked. Let's down. let's just look at this, okay? For going back to this, this is going back all the way to 2008. So 2007, they draft Conley. Yeah, which was you know turned out to be a great pick. 2009, they um, draft Hashim Thabit, second with, overall. Not great. Sorry, 2008, they drafted Kevin Love, but, right, I, but they, they moved, traded they, him for O.J. Mayo, right? I thought they traded him for Mike Miller. For Mike Miller? No, I think it was O.J. Mayo. It was O.J. Mayo? Okay, well, either way, not great. <laughs> I can't remember now, actually. Did O.J. Mayo start his career with the Grizzlies? They should have just yeah. kept Kevin Love. Is what they, they drafted Kevin Love, and they flipped him on draft day. But okay. then they drafted Hashim Thabit second overall. The next year, they drafted Xavier Henry 12th overall. I liked him for a hot minute with the Lakers. He looked all right. <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, injuries ruined his career. But I don't know. Like I don't think it was necessarily a great pick to begin with. Um, they Dominique didn't. Jones. They didn't have a first round pick in 2011. Tony Roten, 25th overall in 2012. Jamal Franklin, <laughs> that was our second round pick in 2013. That's made up. Uh, Jordan Adams, 22nd overall uh, in 2014. Again, another guy who just like never could stay on the floor. 
uh, Jarrell Martin, 25th overall in 2015. Wade Baldwin, 17th overall in 2016. They gave up on him after one year. <laughs> and uh, they didn't have a first-round pick last year. And then this past year, finally, they get Jaron Jackson. Like, they hit on somebody, yeah, that which was is a great. great but, like, holy crap, is that a decade of futility in the draft? Like, that, I, I don't yeah. know if there's any other franchise that has done a worse job of drafting over the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah. it's bad. Yeah. It's terrible. And, well, uh, Chris... Yeah. You're on the spot now, right? Um, now your job is to uh, deal with Mark Gasol and Mike Conley getting traded. Let's start with Mark. All right, this is my proposal. All right. Um, I'm going to give you Marvin Williams, Jeremy Lamb, and a first-round pick. Lottery protected. Okay, so you're MJ right now? You're the Hornet? Yeah, I'm, I'm MJ. Rich Cho? Is, is, Rich, no, it, no, Rich Cho's gone. Rich, Rich, Rich Cho's yeah. now just a full-time Oh, yeah, it's food. Mitch Kupchak's there now. Yeah, yeah. Rich Cho is now a full-time food blogger. Um <laughs> <laughs> and I'm it's it's MJ on the phone. All right, you can smell the cigar through the the phone somehow. But I'm offering you Marvin Williams, who's a respectable. I can hear his eight sizes too big jeans ruffling on the floor because they're too long for me. It's just like some like uh like um, casino, <laughs> just coins jingling in my pocket. You know, I'm wearing oversized jeans, so there's a lot of room for jingling. Um, Have you Mar- ever been in a casino before? <laughs> casino coins. <laughs> They have those, right? No <laughs> chips. I don't know. It's not an arcade, man. Uh, yeah, I've I've only gone to Vegas one time when I was with my parents. Um, Marvin Williams, Jeremy Lamb, and a first. Marvin Chris. Williams. Jeremy Jeremy Lamb's having a good year. So he's quietly yeah. having a good year. He's turned himself into like a solid NBA like two way player. Yeah, he's um, going to be a free agent though. Yeah, you could resign him though. You'll have his rights. Yeah, Marvin Williams. Player option for fifteen million next year. I mean, so you're giving me Marvin Williams, Jeremy Lamb, and a first. Yeah. What, what is, are there conditions on this first? Yeah, it's it's lottery protected for one year. All right, I'm not very inclined to take this deal. Let's hear what Joe has to say. All right, let's hear a right. competing offer. I'm thinking let's get Marcus Saul to the Bucks. Okay, I like that. I actually do like that. It's something I've been thinking. So I'll preface it by saying this: Look, the Bucks, not as Chris Wallace as myself. The Bucks have been awesome. Mm-hmm. And the way that they have decided to use their centers has been very successful, I think. And they have Brooke Lopez on this very cheap contract, and they can kind of just move forward with the formula they have been implementing so far and probably be fine. They still have, I think, a pretty good shot to come out of the Eastern Conference. My fear with that is I think that the way that they use their centers makes them a little bit easier to scheme for. Because if you are a team yeah, like they're the inflexible, if you're a team like the Celtics or the Raptors that has the defensive personnel to basically downsize, then I think that is like an easy solution because you don't need to stick a big on Brook Lopez because they basically just use him as a wing. You know, you use your best defender to check Giannis, and you know you just you treat Brook Lopez the way that you would treat any other wing player who only shoots threes. And I think getting a guy like Gasol who can space the floor but can also be a playmaker from the elbow, who can also operate out of the post, um, and who I think is actually, you know, Brook Lopez has done a really solid job defensively this season, but I, I think Gasol is still a better defender. Gives them a little bit more flexibility defensively as well if they need to change up their scheme there because we've seen how that can be exploited by a team like Boston. I think that would be a really good move uh, for the Bucks um, and, and a, like an important upgrade for them to make them more matchup proof and give them a better shot at coming out of the East. So, All right, what's with, the offer? With that said, if I'm the Bucks, I'm offering uh, Tony Snell, 
Ersan Ilyasova, and this is just to, like, to make the contracts work. But then one of DJ Wilson or Thon Maker, whichever uh, the Grizzlies prefer. Wow. I, I young, <laughs> the luxury I young, of choice between so DJ I, Wilson. A young big man with some upside, okay? <laughs> okay? And Sterling Brown, who is a young wing with some upside, who has a 60% true shooting percentage this year. And maybe if that's not enough, you think about throwing in, they would have to stretch it out all the way to 2023 if they wanted to throw a first rounder. So I was going to say, maybe if that's not enough. That ain't enough. I need a pick in this. Like, All right, so so we're throwing in a 2023 lottery-protected first round draft. Unprotected. Pick. Look, man, the Grizzlies aren't even going to be in Memphis in 2023. If Top this, five if, protected. Top three protected. You're telling me for five years I'm going to watch Tony Snell and Ursan Oliasova and DJ Wilson it, slash It speaks Baker. to kind of a desperation and like the state the Grizzlies are in that these two proposed deals you guys have come up with, like the other than the potential picks, like the crown jewels of the deals are what Jeremy Lamb and like Sterling Brown, maybe Thaw May. Like it's like that's the position that I'm in is Chris Wallace. Then this is. This well, you is put where yourself here at, by man. not trading him last year. So. Like here's the thing, okay? He's got this player option for next year, and that to me sinks his value a bit. Because Jeremy it's Lamb? Like, no, Gasol. <laughs> like, yeah, it's he, like twenty five mil. If he plays well enough to opt out, well then, okay, you've lost him. He opts out, and he's a free agent. And if he plays poorly enough to pick it up, then you have this guy who's playing poorly, and now you have to pay him twenty five million dollars next year. So, I. I don't know that he has much more trade value than this. I think what they're looking at, if they're going to move him, and this is why I said when we talked about this last week that I didn't think that they would end up moving him because I just don't think they're going to get enough in return to justify trading him. But if Wait, they whoa, did... Whoa, they're getting Jeremy Lamb on a lot of protective first, yeah, man. Like, Come on, how could you pass up on that? Yeah, I'm going to say that neither one of these deals is great. Um, Jeremy, but, if, but if they want to get a pick, if they want to get a first-round pick, or if they want to yeah. get like a young player with upside... They're gonna have to take on some uh, bad money, which is why it's like they got to take on like the Tony Snell deal and the Ilyasova deal in order to get even a middling prospect. I think like a DJ Wilson. I think that's the stage that they're at. I don't think any team, and and it hurts them also that like the teams that are in the playoff race just don't need centers. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna. I'll, you know what, Chris, make the, a call. The Charlotte deal, if it's, it can't be lotto protected, it's gonna be like top five protected or something. Fine, fine, fine. Like. Then I probably gonna be but then that pick you're getting the tenth pick, man. but that pick can't be for this year. Then it's got to be like no, it's 20, next year. 2019. Yeah. Oh, sorry, 2020 is fine. Yeah, that's I think fine. the problem with the the Bucks deal is having to wait like four years for the pick. But that's if you're trading with the Bucks, isn't that what you want? Like you don't want a near term pick from them because nah, in the near term the their Gri- picks you, are not going to be good. But if, if, you're, if the, you're the Grizzlies, you can't sell anybody. You can't sell a single ticket based on the 2023. That's pick. What, that's what I was gonna say. It's I'm looking at it as more from the 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 shrewd business that I'm running here. Oh, yeah, where yeah, I'm only definitely. once Gasol and Conley leave, I'm lucky to get 12 people, not 12,000 people, 12 yeah. people, three families. They and will I gotta, show to get them to DJ the game Wilson, to man. get those three families <laughs> to the game. I got to give Yo. them like free parking, hot dogs for 50 cents, like. I'm not sure if DJ Wilson's actually a, like a musician or, or an actual basketball player. Okay, stop trying to sell me a DJ Wilson. Can a I, DJ Wilson I, who might be a musician and might be a basketball I'm, player is a great draw in a city like Memphis. I'm going to lean a rich history of the blues. All right, I'm going to lean towards the Hornets deal, but I'd re- much rather prefer someone just get me on the phone with a GM I could fleece. Someone call Ernie. Oh my God, yo, Ernie will probably give you Trevor Reza and. I don't know, man. What do you want? Markeith Morris. Just a straight-up expiring contracts in the future first. Yeah, I might. Yeah. I might. 
you pull out. What about just auto porter for Marcus All straight up? I do it. Oh, definitely. Are yeah. you kidding? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Sold. Yeah, they, I think Memphis is gonna throw in more there. You know what all actually right. might make sense though? Yeah. Is all right. So what if the Wizards were willing to do auto porter plus a first rounder for Mike Conley? Okay. Well, we're just gonna talk about Mike Conley yeah, trades. Well, yeah. How's all right. that? All right. All right. For a segue. <laughs> Well, there we go. All right. Wolfon, is that your proposal, or are you going to run with this Fournier? Not, that, that just came to me now. I, okay. I, the proposal I made for Conley was I want to get him to the Magic because the Magic desperately need a point guard, and I think Conley would be a great fit there. I said last week when we were you know doing the trade deadline primer, I don't think they should trade Vooch. I would prefer them bring in a guy like Conley to pair with Vooch, and right. the good thing about bringing in Conley is he has two years left on his deal after this one. Then they can go into the offseason – thinking about bringing Vooch back, giving their young guys a little bit more time uh, to develop rather than sort of, you know, thrusting them into the spotlight a little bit too early. And um, I think, you know, in order to pull off this deal, they got to throw one of those young guys in. And to me, if I'm the Magic, the guy I'm throwing in is Bamba. Whoa! I, you know what? I don't want to hear. I don't even want to hear Will's deal. Give oh, me this on. one if I'm come Chris on. Wallace. Give me this one. So what? I understand it's tough. They just drafted him fifth overall. His tools are tantalizing. There's a lot of upside there. Me personally, I am a bigger believer in Jonathan Isaac. So if I had to trade one yeah. of those guys, Bamba is the guy that I would throw in. Also, you're, and, you just told me you're going to re-sign Vooch. So like, where is Bamba going to play? He's going to yeah. be a backup center? Nah. So right. I think, is Bamba enough? Of, like, is he a blue chipper who is enough in that deal that you don't have to throw in a pick? I think so. So in this deal, you got you to make the salaries match. So you throw in Fournier's deal. And Jonathan Simmons' deal with Bamba, no picks attached. Is that getting it done? I think that gets it done because I'm still a huge believer in Mo Bamba's like upside and mm-hmm. potential, especially on the defensive end. Him and Jaron Jackson? Yeah, so this is what I was going to say. This deal I like because you get Bamba, who, again, as I just mentioned, I think is a blue chipper. Um, you ha- you pair him with Jaron Jackson in this like front court of the future but the pieces you're taking back are also like young enough and not good enough right now that you stay bad, like very bad right now. And then you probably add like one of these transcendent talents coming out in this year's draft to a Bomba Jackson front court. And now I'm in business. So okay. I very much like this deal. And I will say um, that I believe this is the kind of trade that maybe gets you fired in three years, Joe Wolfon, because when Mo Bamba's winning like a Defensive Player of the Year award, and and you have Vucevic, you have Vucevic on a max contract, he's either long gone or on a max deal, and like you all you've got is that banner saying you made the playoffs in 2019. No, no, it's oh no, whoa, they're gonna win the Southeast Division <laughs> with that roster. If you make this deal, I think you got to be pretty confident that you're gonna resign Vuce, that he wants to stick around, and honestly, like. I, if I'm making this deal, like I think the easier way to get it done probably is just to throw Aaron Gordon in, because then you're basically matching salaries and you're giving them back like a young player that they can sort of build oh, around. I think the Grizzlies do that too. Yeah, you can give me Aaron Gordon. Right, right. I mean, no, expiring Marcus No, no, no. no, no. Conley, Conley. Conley for Mike Conley. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. But here's what I'm thinking. Like, if if I'm the Magic, I want to do this deal while keeping Aaron Gordon. Because, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Why yeah. not? Um, and I think. Look, they, they just need to balance their roster, and I think this is a good way to do it, right? Like, as opposed to um, getting rid of Vooch so they can, like, bring Bomba along, I think, look, Vooch is only 28. Vooch is great, man. You know? Like, they re-sign him. He can give you another three years He's easily great, of, like, high-end production. Him and Gasol, like, with Gordon basically as, like, a 3-4 interchangeable, 
um, and Isaac is like a four or five, mm-hmm. then suddenly you have like a roster that actually makes some sense. Yeah. Uh, with some uh, positional versatility and like a little bit of cap flexibility moving forward. I yeah. mean, depending on what you can re-sign Booch for. Like, I don't know. I think that starts to look pretty intriguing as a team that can kind of butt its way into like that top five conversation in the East. All right, Cash. Let me just counter offer. All right. You love Mike Conley. The people of Memphis love Mike Conley. You want to do Mike Conley a solid. And you want to send him to a place not like Orlando. All right. Nobody really wants to go to Orlando unless it's for Disney World or whatever. Um, he is from Indiana. And... Indiana could really use a point guard. So I'm going to give you – it's not as good, but it's Darren Collison. It's Tyreek Evans, who you're going to get again. That's 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 fun. Aaron Holiday, who was last year's first-round pick, pretty promising, and an unprotected first. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Bomba deal. <laughs> All right, <laughs> fine. That's, that's fair <laughs> enough. I, I would probably also do that as well. Well, I think uh, – you know, that does it really. I mean, we have tr- – the <laughs> grit and grind Grizzlies have been blown up. All right. Apparently, they've ended up – they've traded Marcus on Mike Conley. They have a future core of Mo Bamba and DJ Wilson. <laughs> hey, Jackson's still there. Uh, I think oh, – did you take the DJ Wilson deal or did you want Jeremy Lamb instead? Get Jeremy Lamb, baby. I uh, – come on. Yeah, I probably wanted the Lamb deal. I don't know. Those were, those were really depressing. Wow, Jeremy Lamb, Mo the Bamba. Conley deals are a lot more exciting. Oh. Just because of Bamba. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, look, the Grizzlies had a good run, man. The Grit and Grind Grizzlies, they they had some moments. You know, the Warriors series, the the Clippers series. Upsetting the Spurs as Upset, an eight seed. Yep. Yeah. That was, uh, like, when was that? 2012? Like, they made the playoffs six years in a row. Yeah. In the Western yeah. Conference. Take that, that for Conflict, data. That's the, the West. They had some great moments. Gasol yep. won a Defensive Player of the Year and was, like, a legitimate MVP candidate a couple times. Like, yep. I... I they held a two-one lead on the Warriors in yeah. Uh, yeah. 2015. The, Warriors, the year the, year the, the Warriors, Warriors won their were first title. Shook. Yeah. The Warriors talk about all the time exactly how much they were bothered, right? Like, and it was Tony Allen literally being under their skin. Like Clay Thompson, the only guy that's ever really bothered Clay Thompson, and he is a guy that is not bothered by anything in the world, is Tony and Allen. For for a fan base that also for the most part is like you they love as like a tepid fan base for most of their existence, like. Um, is it called the FedEx Forum? Whatever yeah, it's it is. called formally, like you know, it was known as the Grindhouse during the peak yep. of these. Like that was a tough place to play. I even remember um, the the regular season game during the first year of the Big Three in Miami, and it's one of those games early in the season they lost, and like Rudy Gay hit a game winner for the Grizzlies to beat the Heat, and like that place sounded like it was rocking. Yeah. Um, but it's sad. They're a small market team that now seems to kind of be fading away. The attendance is dwindling. It's it's going to be a long road back for them. And they were the first team to discover that trading Rudy Gay is the surefire way to create a contender. Yeah. They 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 were ahead of the they curve. They laid the blueprint. Yeah. I mean, it happened in Toronto. It's kind of happening right now in Sacramento. Just watch. Two years from now, when the Spurs get rid of Rudy Gay, it's. Yeah. yeah, except that he's been, been like their second best player this year. Well, so. that is true. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that does it for the podcast. Thanks to Cash and Wolfond, and uh, we're signing out. Pound the rock. Mm-hmm.